Right, so I was watching the Olympics. I was one of about maybe 12 people across the United States who were watching the Olympics this time. I watched a, a little bit of it, and I saw this race. I believe it was the women's decathlon. And uh, I went back and tried to look it up on YouTube to get the exact wording of the commentator, but I was struck by it because he was talking about the 800-meter run, which comes at the end of the, the 10 events for the decathlon. And he made this statement uh, as the runners were starting to run. He said, they're starting to make their move. And you have to make a decision at this point whether you are going to endure the greatest pain that you've ever experienced in your life, or something along those lines. And it struck me because I, I used to run the 800-yard uh, run when I, was, when I was in high school. And I know what it's like. You go around the, the circuit once. And when you go around the second time, you have to make a decision when you're going to start running faster. And you have to set your mind on the, on the finish line because there's going to be waves and waves of pain and lots of things are going to happen to you and your ability to breathe. And, and, and you're, you're going to have to be sticking with your decision. And that strikes me as a really good uh, way for us to think about what's, what's going on in this passage. Because... Uh, the first Peter has talked about Christian suffering. It's talked about the role of suffering. And it's very easy for us to get confused about suffering. We sometimes think that suffering on our part is what makes us right before God. And that's why the end of chapter 3 is so important. Because suffering on our part does not make us right before God. That's not the point. The point is that Christ suffered, as it says in chapter 3, verse 18, once for sins. It was a one-time suffering. It was done... Uh, as the just for the unjust, one for the many. We've already covered this. That he might bring us to God. Jesus Christ, the great priest, bringing us to God. That's what he, uh, he came to do, to offer himself on the cross, to bring us to God. And it says he was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So Jesus Christ, at the end of chapter 3, is the victor. He's the one who's ascended. He has obtained the victory. And with all of that in view, we can now pick up where we left off in chapter 3 and verse 17, talking about suffering. Chapter 3 and verse 17, for it is better, said, For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. This is what Peter's after. Not suffering to make things right before God, but to suffer for doing good, to persevere. In other words, to finish the end of the race, to, to go despite the pain all the way to the finish line. And that's what Peter is talking about here. That's what our, our passage is about. We have to understand uh, what uh, proper uh, God-honoring suffering looks like. It has to be the right kind. Uh, so in chapter 2 and verse 20, uh, Peter said, uh, What credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? There is a kind of suffering that we bring upon ourselves because we, we ask for it uh, or we do something that is wrong. But that's not what... Uh, true, solid, persevering Christian suffering is all about. He says in chapter 2 and verse 20, when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. So we're not earning our righteousness before God. Jesus has done that. But we are, we are growing in the knowledge of what Jesus Christ has given to us. And uh, the next verse says that we were called to this. We were called to this sort of approach to suffering. Because Christ also suffered for us. And it says, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. And we can't follow Jesus Christ in the sense of being the sin bearer, the one who takes away sin. 
And the gospel is very simple. It's, it, it goes this way. Man sins, but Jesus saves. Man sins, but Jesus saves. So anytime we're focusing on ourselves and trying to lift ourselves up to, to God, we have to remember Jesus saves. But anytime we think that we can't be saved because we're, because we're too low down, we have to remember Jesus saves. You know? So it's all, it's all uh, on our part to focus our attention on Jesus for salvation. So this uh, is what is happening. Um, we're in the race, and we're in the final uh, 400 meters of the race, and it's getting harder and harder. And our mind begins to be a little bit muddled. And we think, um, pretty sure God's mad at me because I'm suffering a whole lot. Pretty sure I, it's, it's what I did in 1979 in the middle of the month of March. I remember it clearly. That's when God just decided he was mad at me. And our mind gets muddled when we're, when we're suffering. And it's difficult to distinguish between good and bad suffering. And we still have this idea in the back of our mind that we're, we're trying to make things better with God. And so that's why we need an understanding of the role of Jesus Christ in helping us when we suffer. And so this passage starts with Jesus Christ again. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. Notice where it starts. It starts with Jesus Christ. Christ suffered for us in the flesh. Now that word suffered, it's a word that covers a whole lot. It's a talking about something that happened in the past. It's a definite event. It's specifically the cross. But that cross is just the end, you see. The cross is just the final part of his suffering. The Lord Jesus Christ began suffering from the very earliest part of his life. When he was a baby, he had to go to Egypt to escape the, the, the king. The Lord Jesus Christ was suffering from the very beginning of his life. All of Christ's suffering is in view because this is the way that God has provided for us throughout the whole course of our life. From the birth of Jesus Christ all the way to his death. In other words, for all our entire life, we have been provided for through the suffering of Jesus Christ. That suffering is what's given to you as a resource so that you might finish the race. That suffering is what is given to you so that you might be able to be armed with a proper mindset. And that's what this passage is talking about. It says, arm yourselves. Arm yourselves with what? With the same mind. With a mind that Jesus Christ had. With a mind that enabled him to endure suffering for his entire life. It's uh, obviously a military term. It's a term that's used when a soldier uh, puts uh, weapons on. Uh, it's given to us in different parts of Scripture. Romans 13, verse 12 says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let's put on the armor of light. And 2 Corinthians 6, 7 uh, calls us to consider the armor of righteousness. And then uh, 2 Corinthians 10 talks about the weapons of our warfare that are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And Ephesians 6.11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why do you need to have armor on? It's because the devil wants to remind you of how much you're going to suffer. 
the devil wants to say, okay, you're, you're in the last, I know you're in the last 400 meters, and I know you're starting to pick up speed, but your body cannot handle this. Your body cannot finish it. You cannot finish this race. It's going to hurt so much that you're going to want to stop. Your lungs are, your lungs are going to begin to scream. You better stop now. That's what the devil wants to say. And when we arm ourselves with the mindset of Jesus Christ, we begin to focus our attention upon the race. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind. The same mind as Jesus? What does that mean? Well, the next words are words that we have to understand very carefully. Because these words are actually words that are designed to refer both to Jesus Christ and to you. But they refer to you differently than they refer to Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ was sinless. And so when it says, um, harm yourselves with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, you are to take on that mindset that I have ceased from sin but not in the same way as Jesus Christ. Because obviously we know that the Lord Jesus Christ, as uh, it said in chapter 3 and verse 18, suffered once for sins. The Lord Jesus Christ has suffered in a way that has caused sins to be taken away. In fact, the Lord Jesus Christ is the sinless one. It was not possible for him to sin, but that made it easier for him to suffer. In fact, it was necessary for him to suffer. Hebrews Uh, Chapter 2 and verse 18 tells us something very striking. As the Lord Jesus Christ uh, was tempted, he suffered. It says, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are being tempted. The Lord Jesus Christ, at every point where you and I are, are tempted and we give in to sin, the Lord Jesus Christ suffered. At that point, the Lord Jesus Christ suffered. He suffered because he's, he's got a human nature, and yet he's God. And so he's taking on, in one person, the ability to suffer in the very places where we're tempted. That's the work of Jesus Christ. And that's why it's so important that we realize that we have a resource like this. Because the Lord Jesus Christ, in his sufferings, knows what it's like to be tempted. He's not going to give in because he doesn't have it on the inside. He doesn't have the desires on the inside to cause him to give in. And so he suffers. And when the Lord Jesus Christ suffers, he becomes a more knowledgeable and helpful high priest for us. He becomes a resource for us. And he's able to give us the proper mindset. It's like you have a coach who is not only uh, running the race with you, who is actually there, actually telling you, exactly what you're going to feel in the next steps of the race. And he is, he is guiding you all the way to the finish line. He is saying to you, I am going to help you to finish this race because I know exactly what it feels like to finish the last 50 meters of this race. The Lord Jesus Christ is that sort of a coach. And so we have this mindset uh, that we are to take on. Well, what does the mindset say for, for us? Our Lord Jesus Christ, we know that he has suffered in the flesh in order to conquer sin. But for us, it is suffering in the flesh that reminds us that we have stopped sinning. 
that we have ceased from sin. Now that doesn't mean that you're never going to sin because the Bible makes it very clear. First John says that you're going to you're going to sin. If you say you don't have sin, you're not you're not living according to the truth. But it does mean that you have that you have made this determination. Like that runner, like that runner who makes the determination, this is where I'm going to start picking up my speed. I'm going to finish this race at uh, a good clip, even though I'm going to experience a lot of pain. That's the change of mindset that this passage is talking about. It's talking about determining that in order to cease from sin, I'm going to encounter suffering, and I'm willing to do that. That's the mindset. That's the mindset of Jesus Christ, obviously, and that's the mindset of believers who are joined to him. It's a change in mindset, a willingness to encounter suffering uh, as opposed to sin. Why? Well, it it makes it very clear in verse 2 that if we are willing to adjust our mindset in this way to say that I'm willing to suffer in the flesh rather than, than sin, uh, that I will, that I'm making a commitment, and for the rest of my race, the rest of my earthly life, I will no longer spend my time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. You see, you're making a decision there. You're making uh, your an adjustment of your mindset, following the mindset of Jesus Christ, that you are going to uh, operate on the basis of God's will, not on the basis of the the way that suffering feels. And that's an important thing. It's a very important thing in order to uh, be able to suffer in this way. Because there are things that are going to happen uh, as you take on that mindset. There's a great contrast in uh, the language of verse 2 versus the language of verse 3. Verse 3 talks about the contrast, which is our past lives. So now the difference is the ceasing from sin involves ceasing from the sin that characterized your past, thank you, your past life. The, the former life that you lived before you were adjusted in your mindset by the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the former life. Verse 3, we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. The Apostle Peter, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is talking about those who don't believe in Jesus Christ, and he calls them Gentiles. Why does he do that? Because he's writing to people that are Gentiles. He's writing to people that are Gentiles, and he's calling them Gentiles because he's telling you that you are a new people of God, that you are now the new Israel, you're now the new people of God. You are as separated from uh, the people that you used to be as the Jew from the Gentile used to be separated. And so he refers to uh, people who are Gentiles, who are renewed in Christ, as being different from the Gentiles who are following the ways that they used to follow. He's saying you are not that person anymore. You are not engaging in that because you have adjusted your mindset because your mindset has been adjusted by being armed with the mind of Jesus Christ, the one who is willing to suffer in order not to sin. You see, it's obvious in the case of Jesus Christ. He's not going to sin. He's 
incapable of sinning. And yet he's not incapable of suffering. You and I are capable of suffering or sinning. I'm capable of finishing the race, pain, or giving up. And saying the pain is too much, I'm going to stop right here. I'm not going to finish the 800 meters. And you see, we have that uh, uh, decision to make in terms of what our mindset is going to be. What is going to be the thing that takes the most of our attention? Is it the suffering or is it the uh, will of God? And so as we look at this list, we see things that were very uh, common in the time of the Romans. We can easily look this up historically and we can see, you know, um, sex and alcohol and uh, drinking parties. They had the Saturnalia Festival. They had uh, Bacchus, Dionysus, you know, all of, all of the, the celebrations that they had. Um, it, you know, we get the idea of a toga party from the Romans, you know, fraternities all over the place. Get it from the Romans. But it's not just the Romans, is it? It's a very uh, much a part of uh, the mindset of anyone today who continues to follow uh, in their own approach to life rather than the approach of Jesus Christ. Lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and something that really separates the people of God from the other uh, religions of their time, idolatry. The idea that you would say to another uh, religion that what you are worshiping is an idol. It's very offensive back then, and it's very offensive today. It's something that is one of the mark, marks of uh, hate speech, according to a lot of people. Because if you say that Jesus Christ is the only way to God, if you say there's only one true God, they begin to oppose you. They begin to oppose you because of what you are saying about other religions. They're okay as long as you say, you know, there's Jesus and there's, there's all kinds of other ways. But if you start to say that there's one way, they will separate themselves for, from you. And so you see verse 4, you see how it works out. Uh, their goal, lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, can't wait for the weekend. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. That's when the suffering comes in. Uh, who are you? You're not going to go to the. You're not going to go to the party. Are you some kind of goody two shoes? What happened to you? I know you five years ago. You never would have said no to something like this. What, do you think you're better than us? Who do you think? Those Christians, you always think that you're better than other people. See, hate speech. Hate speech that comes from saying no. Hate speech that comes from simply not participating. You see, the, the rule is everything is, is cool. Do whatever you want, as long as you're participating with us. But if you're not participating with us, then you're against us. And if you're against us because of Jesus, then you're doubly hateful. 
And you see, that's what you're going to experience. And that's the suffering that Peter has in view. That's the suffering that is in view. And that's the mindset that needs to say, I am willing to endure this. I'm willing to endure this because I do not want to follow that path anymore. Why? Why would you not want to follow that path? Well, because you've been changed by the work of Jesus Christ and also because of what it says in verse 5. It says, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. You see, when we be, really begin to wrestle with the victory of Jesus Christ that was revealed at the end of chapter 3, when we realize who Jesus Christ is in giving himself once for all for sinners and then being set up as the as a returning uh, judge, we realize that we need to be right with Jesus Christ above all. This is the way that we need to uh, view our lives. And so it changes uh, our relationship with those on the horizontal level because we have a new relationship on the vertical level. We begin to realize uh, that we are called upon not only to say no uh, to people who uh, engage in these things, not only to endure uh, their thinking that we're strange or even speaking evil of us, but we also begin to recognize that we must warn them that they are going to give an account to the one who's ready to judge the living and the dead. And so verse 6 speaks of people who had the gospel preached to them, who trusted in Jesus Christ, and now they're dead. And we don't know how their reputation among men panned out. They were viewed as people who hate other people. They were all about this one religion. They were worshipers of this Jesus. Uh, no fun in that religion, by the way. They don't allow you to uh, go drinking. They don't allow you to uh, have, have a lost weekend. But there's a different view of what counts in the final day as most important. Verse 6 says, This reason the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit saying there? The Holy Spirit is saying that there is a reputation uh, and a standard that you have uh, according to men. And then there's a standard that you have according to to God. And the standard that you have in relationship to God is based upon the Lord Jesus Christ and your relationship to Him. And your willingness to suffer might change the way you're viewed among where you might actually be seen as the number one uh, person to stay away from. The number one person that, that people want to uh, abuse and, and hurt. Uh, just today, I don't know all the details of how this happened, but there was a group in Portland that went to an outside uh, event where someone was, was preaching, and there were men and women and boys and girls present, and a group came in and they just started attacking them. 